Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. Well, my name is Dalton, and I'm the kids and small group director here. Um, and let me, let me tell you, I love this time of the year, don't you? Thanksgiving, Christmas, just the, the whole holiday season. If I could just have uh, this season and it be warm, wouldn't that just be perfect? Just, just warmth. And, and people in the U.S. have that. Isn't that cool? But we don't, so that's okay. But, I mean, I love it. And as I was just worshiping just now, it's just this word just kept hitting me of facade. And I prayed it as well, but I just feel like so many times of this holiday season, when we go and see our friends or our family or this or that, party to dinner or whatever, so often we have this facade that we put up. Do you guys ever just like feel like whenever you hang out with your family, you go back to acting like a certain way? Anybody else? I feel that way. And we put up these walls and we try to blend in to our family and we think that the holiday season means we have to be something instead of continuing to be us and continue to listen to God and just this, just this fake. And I feel like today God just wants to take that fake, that facade, and just tear it down. And he wants us to be real. And as I was reading, uh, we're going to continue on in the life of Joseph, and that's a real story. I mean, it's crazy. Uh, Joseph went through some real things, and he was a real person. Real crazy things happened. Today, we get to come to the part of the story where some good things finally happen, thankfully. But the thing is, as we read the Bible, I love the Bible. Because the Bible, I heard it said once that when you read the Bible, It's the only book that reads you as well. I remember when I surrendered my life to God for the first time and I sat in my room crying and I read my Bible. It was like legitimately the Bible read me. Every verse that I read spoke to the things that I was struggling with, the things on my heart that were tearing me down. And it spoke life into me and it gave me hope. And in a season where I was tired and I was sad and I was depressed, it gave me life. And that's what it does. And as we dive into the life of Joseph, the book of Genesis today, my hope and my prayer is that as we read God's word, those things that we've desperately tried to keep hidden, those things that we think, ah, God, I don't know about that one in me. These, These superficial things you can change, but that one thing, it's just too hard. My hope is that today as we read through Joseph's life, that he would bring to light those things we've tried to keep hidden those things that we've kept weighted down and that would open up and that when we read God's word, it would bring victory and life into those things. So that's my prayer. Have you guys ever played hide and seek with kids? I don't know why, but I thought about hide and seek this week as I was reading through the life of Joseph in the chapter. It's chapter 41 and we'll go through it. But the reason I thought about hide and seek, I'll tell you in a bit, But whenever you play hide and seek with kids, kids are just so funny because they have like no awareness of their body, 
right? So like when they're hiding behind a curtain, like their leg will be sticking out and they have like no idea. And they think they're completely hidden. Have you ever seen that? Or you'll have that kid that thinks like he's invisible just because his eyes are closed. You know, were were you that kid? Like I kind of was like that. Like if you just like crouch down and get in a ball and your eyes are closed, like nobody can see me. And so, like, you'll open your eyes, like, go find him, and, like, Johnny's just, like, standing in the corner, like, with this weird grin on his face and his eyes closed. The first time I played hide-and-seek with the McKinney kids, um, I found out that Kent has the best hiding spot. Has anybody else ever babysat Kent and played hide-and-seek? Okay, you know his hiding spot? It's in the washer. He legitimately, like, climbs into the washer. And... That would be a really good hiding spot, right? Because I'm not going to look in the washer like, like normally. But the problem is when I come upstairs, he's so excited to like see where I'm at that I just see like his head peeking out like above the washer, like, like looking for me. And the first time I saw that, I was like, Kent, what are you doing? And get out of there. And I asked Greg and Kate about it. And they're like, oh, yeah, he gets in there. And I was like, okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and so I found him in there. Not the best execution by him. But the reason I was thinking about that is because of that fact that many times I think God looks at our lives and we're like that kid with our legs stuck out behind the curtain. We've tried to keep those things hidden. We've tried not to bring up and to address things with him that we know we need to address. And he just sees us and he's like, your leg is sticking out behind the curtain. I see you. Would you just take some time and let it out with me? So that's my hope that we do today that we can just let some stuff out. Would you let some stuff out with me today? Cool, okay. So we're continuing on in the life of Joseph, and we're in chapter 41. We've come a ways, and chapter 41, if I'm not mistaken, is 57 verses. So we're not gonna read it all together. I'm gonna summarize a little bit, but in a little bit, we'll read some of it too. But we left off last week where Joseph was still in prison, right? And he was talking with the cupbearer, And the cupbearer was about to go up before Pharaoh, and Joseph interpreted his dream for him. And he said, okay, man, when you get up there and things happen exactly how I told you that they were going to happen, I have one thing for you to do. Just remember me. Tell them that I'm not meant to be here. I shouldn't be in prison. I'm not even Egyptian. All of these things, just, just tell them, okay? That's the one thing. And the dude's like, all right, bet. When I'm up there, I'll remember you. And he goes up, and what does he do? He forgets. He forgets Joseph. And I just think after an amount of time, Joseph's like day day after day waiting, and he's like, man, like the process and getting people out of of prison in here is just, it's lengthy. And then day by day goes by, and he just gets more and more depressed. And he's like, man, how do you forget? Like, I'm forgetful. Like, I I buy a new water bottle like every other week because, like, I'm always losing my water bottle. Yeah, does anybody else lose things or just forget? So I'm forgetful. Um, the one I have right now, I've had for like a month, which is good. So, but he's just forgetful and Joseph sits down there and then two years pass by two long, long years for Joseph. And then we find Pharaoh. Okay. And Pharaoh is dreaming where we, where we pick up today. He's dreaming. And let me tell you, Pharaoh had some crazy dreams, like, just like my wife. My wife has crazy dreams. Like, she'll, like, tell me the, the, just the craziest thing. And I'm like, I don't, okay, the walrus did that. All right, gotcha. <laughs> okay, sorry. Um, I mean, he has a crazy dream. So this is the dream that he dreams. He dreams that he's standing by the Nile, 
okay? And all of a sudden, seven of these fat, like, good-looking, like, steak-looking cows just come up out of the Nile, right? Like a good burger cow, okay? Seven of them come up. And he's like, all right, okay, I don't know what you're doing in the water. And then right after them, seven, like, skinny, like, the Bible says, ill-favored, like, like not doing well, about to die cows come out. They look like me when I was in high school, just like, no muscle, no fat, like nothing. And they come up and they swallow up the fat cows. And Pharaoh's like, what was that? And then have you ever like, just like dreamed something? You're like, that was, and you just like go straight back to sleep. That's the way he was. It was like, that was, and he's just like back to sleep. And you know, when you do that, you always like continue on in the dream. You ever done that before? And the dream just like continues and then you get mad when you wake up later. But this time it's not cows, it's ears of corn. There's seven like strong ears of corn. They're doing really well. You know, it it looks good. I like steak more than corn, but they're doing well. And then there's seven ears that are just like withering away. And those seven ears swallow up the seven strong ears of corn. And then he wakes up again and he's like, what was that? And he decides that he needs to have an answer. Okay, so he gathers together his magicians, all of the smart people in Egypt, and he brings them all there. And none of them are able to tell him what this dream means. Like, they're like, I don't know, man, that's just a weird dream. And he's like, man, I got to know. And then I can just imagine the cupbearer is present for all of this. Okay, he's still there. And I can just imagine like the gears in his brain, like finally, like starting to creak. And he's like, oh, shoot, Joseph. And he's like, okay, so. Two years ago, this guy named Joseph down in the prison, you remember when you sent me to prison, I almost died, and then you came up and you saved me? Joseph interpreted my dream, and he might be able to do it for you, and I low-key forgot about him. And so they're like, all right, bring Joseph up out of prison. So he comes up, and Joseph gets all nice, he gets all shaved, he gets some new clothes on, he goes before Pharaoh. And it's really cool what Pharaoh tells him. Pharaoh's like, okay, here's the dream, what does it mean? And Joseph prefaces it with, I want you to know it's not me speaking, okay? The interpreter of the dream is like kind of me, but it's not really me. Who you're hearing and the correct interpretation that you're going to get is from God. And here's what it means. So in Egypt, coming very soon, there are going to be seven years of plenty. It's going to be really good. There's going to be a lot of food. You're going to store up grain. It's going to be nice. And then seven, the next seven years after that, there's going to be a famine, and it's going to be hard. And what you need to do, wink, wink, is hire a smart man, could be me, and put him over storing up the grain, right? So he, st- he tells him you need to store up the grain, and that way during the famine, everything will be okay, okay? And so that's where we're going to pick up, and we're going to read starting at verse 37. And this is what the Bible says. The plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his officials. So Pharaoh asked them, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. 
He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He had him ride in a chariot as his second in command, and people shouted before him, make way. What a change. Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, but without your word, no one will lift hand or foot in all Egypt. Pharaoh gave Joseph the name, and I'm sorry, I didn't look up these, how to pronounce these names, but Zephenath Paneah, and gave him Asenath, daughter of Potiphar, a priest of On, to be his wife. So he's got a wife now. And Joseph went throughout the land of Egypt. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from Pharaoh's presence and traveled throughout Egypt. During the seven years of abundance, the land produced plentifully. Joseph collected all the food produced in those seven years of abundance in Egypt and stored it in the cities. In each city, he put the food grown in the fields surrounding it. Joseph stored up huge quantities of grain like the sand of the sea. It was so much that he stopped keeping records because it was beyond measure. Before the years of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph by a senior daughter of Potiphar, a priest of On. Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh and said, It is because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. The second son he named Ephraim and said, It is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. The seven years of abundance in Egypt came to an end, and the seven years of famine began, just as Joseph had said. There was famine in all the other lands, but in the whole land of Egypt there was food. When all Egypt began to feel the famine, the people cried to Pharaoh for food. Then Pharaoh told all the Egyptians, go to Joseph and do what he tells you. When the famine had spread over the whole country, Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold grain to the Egyptians. For the famine was severe throughout Egypt, and all the world came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe everywhere. Okay, that's the chapter. And so we see this revolution in Joseph's life from he kept kind of like going up and it looked like he was gonna walk into the dreams that God had given him, right? And then back down and then leadership and then back down. And he's gone through this and finally he has arrived, okay? He's been given the ring. He's He's second in all of Egypt, And he has more than probably he ever could have imagined, right? The verse I love, if you can look back at it, is 38. I don't know if you can flash on the screen or not, but I'll definitely read it. Verse 38, when Pharaoh is looking at Joseph, he says to his servants, can we find a man like this in whom is the spirit of God? Can we find a man like this in whom is the spirit of God? Back in the 90s, I, lo- I love Gatorade, prefacing this, okay? Gatorade gets a shout out. Back in the 90s, Gatorade had this slogan, okay? Does anybody know what it was? It was back in the 90s. They've had a few. Huh? Is it in you? Yes. Is it in you? Okay? And so how they would, like, frame this slogan and, like, bring it across to people was they would take, like, commercials or whatever, and they would bring, like, extraordinary athletes, like, people that were different, like Michael Jordan, Maya Hamm, all these people, okay? And the way that they would market it is that they would say that Gatorade is what took Michael Jordan and made him extraordinary. And they would look out at people and they would say, is it in you? Michael Jordan would say to you, is Gatorade in you? And I feel like today, (laughs) we think of looking at this and whom is the spirit of God. If Pharaoh were to look at your life the way he looked at Joseph's, if you went up before him 
and God had called you to something and given you a vision and you went before him and he went and looked at you, is he going to say, in whom is the spirit of God? Is the spirit of God in you? Or another question, have you been shackling your spirit? Have you been shackling your spirit? And some of you might say, okay, like, you're not going to shackle the Holy Spirit. And like, I feel you, okay? You're not going to shackle it. God is all-powerful. But I will say that Jesus led himself to the cross in chains, right? He was led there willingly. And he said, you can take me. So too, the Holy Spirit, when you're given it as a believer, right? You are given the Holy Spirit. God willingly will let you have free will, right? He gives you free will. He wants you to follow him, but he's not going to make you. And so you've been willingly choosing to shackle that spirit, and you haven't been following it. Hopefully you have. But for many of us, we can look at different areas of our life and say that we've been shackling it. And so I have two things in victory that today I want us to be able to say. Two things that when we speak from victory, the things that were once shackled by us, the, ones that, the things that were shackled and not allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, the first one is this. I want you to write down, my spirit will not be shackled by my problems. My spirit will not be shackled by my problems. And I think when we think of problems a lot of times, we think of our, our really big problems, right? Our large problems, the things that like are heavy that are going on right now. But I think it starts with the small ones. It starts with the little ones. Have you guys ever like been late to work and you get out and you start driving, get trying to get there really fast, and like you start getting mad at people on the road because they're driving like the normal speed limit? Yeah? Yeah. And like you start like venting underneath your breath and like you're just like upset. That's a normal thing for us, but that's us shackling the spirit. And saying, God, my flesh wants to be upset right now, even though I caused it. So I'm going to be upset. And I'm going to lean into my flesh instead of the Holy Spirit. It's been shackled. It's been shackled. When somebody says something about you that you don't like, and it hurts you, many times we shackle the Spirit and say that my flesh has to prove that I am good, that I am worthy. And we choose to fight. And we choose to try and win a war of words when God is saying, I already said that you are worthy. I already made you worthy. So why would you ever need to win a war of words with somebody else? You're shackling your spirit. You're shackling your spirit. And that little, if we choose to do that in all those little moments, to shackle the Holy Spirit and to lean into our flesh, how can we expect in the big moments of crisis when the real things get hard? How can we expect to lean into the Holy Spirit when in all the small things we've been trying to pursue and do it our own way? That's when we say, God, I'll lean into you? Probably not. And so as we look at Joseph's life, Joseph, Joseph had problems. Like he didn't have the little, like he probably had little problems, but like they probably didn't mean anything to him because he had big problems, right? Like over and over, he's in a pit, he gets out, like, it might be good, then it's not. It might be good, then it's not. It's just like problem after problem after problem. People are forgetting him. People are lying about him. All of these huge things. And later he names a son about the affliction. So you know it was heavy on him. It was a lot. It would have been so easy for Joseph to say, okay, spirit, you gave me this vision. You gave me this dream. 
I just don't see it happening. I'm going to have to do it my own way. I'm going to have to follow my flesh and react to these problems the way that I need to. I want to let you all know that I'm a fixer. When I got big problems, I feel like I need to fix them. I, I, I got to figure out a way to get out of this or do that so that I can eliminate the problem. And sometimes, let me tell you, God doesn't want the problem eliminated yet. It doesn't need to be eliminated. He says, maybe it's time for you to sit in it because you've been shackling your spirit, your Holy Spirit, and trying to get out of it your way. And I'm going to let you keep trying until you stop. And maybe that is the time that I will give you release when you lean into me and I can show my power and my glory. And then maybe that problem's gone or maybe you still got to sit in it. But just know that I am still good in it. I want you to write this down. Your spirit should exist outside of your situation. Your spirit should exist outside of your situation. Have you ever been outside when it's like downpouring rain and you didn't expect it, like you're out walking the dog or something? And it just starts downpouring, there's thunder, there's lightning, it's loud, there's chaos all around you. And you finally get to your door, you're like jumbling the keys and you get in and do that movie thing where you like close the door and you hit your back on the door and like slide down and just like sit. And it was so loud and chaotic before. And then when, you, when you're just sitting there, there's just like that, like that rain is just like so soft on the window and maybe like the fireplace is going. And it's, everything is so calm compared to the chaos outside. That's what I feel like it's like when you run to the spirit instead of to your flesh. When you go to God's arms and you say, God, I got a lot going on. Things have been hard. And I've been trying to work it out myself. I've been trying to fix it myself, but now I'm here. And the chaos outside doesn't seem so large anymore. That's where Joseph was. In those two years in prison, you know that he was still being prepared because when his opportunity arose, he was ready, right? So in those two years, he knew that there's chaos, that right now, God, I'm in chaos. I'm going to sit with you. And then when you give me the opportunity, continue on with your dream and with your vision, then it's going to be real and I'm going to be ready. And he continued on. And it's just that, like, that's unnatural. That's crazy. And another question I have for you is what has your spirit led you to? There's a verse in Ephesians and it says, be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the spirit. Be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the spirit. For some of you, it might be wine. It might be alcohol. Maybe you've been living for that high. Maybe during the week, it feels just kind of like everything's just eh. And so during the week, or if you're a college student, it's Thirsty Thursdays, or like whatever it is, you're pursuing something to give you some kind of high, right? But let me tell you, you can replace wine with whatever. It could be wine. For some of you, you keep trying to date and you get into relationships and you expect and you go, you go too physical too quickly and then it hurts and then you tell yourself that the person that you were with, they must have not been the right one and that's why it hurt. When in reality, it didn't work because you weren't leaning into the spirit because you were seeking to get drunk off of hopeful love than being filled with the spirit. For some of us, somebody has made us feel unworthy, or we have made ourselves feel unworthy. 
And so we try to be perfect at everything in our job and our whatever. And we try so hard and we give all our time in each step and each rung on the ladder that we get to. Like it feels good for like half a second and it's like I got to keep going. And we never feel filled. And in Ephesians, Paul is writing and says, be not drunk with wine. Be not drunk with hopeful love. Be not drunk with, with, with this time or this place. Be filled with me. And in the midst of our problems, it's so easy when things are hard to try and fill ourselves with something else. That's why so many people go to alcohol when things are hard, when everything else ain't working because it's like, I don't want to feel. But God is saying, if you would lean into me and feel me, the problems might not go away. They might not go away right away. But if you lean into me, you will be filled. And the Bible says you will find peace that passes all understanding. And it'll keep your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Have your problems made you shackle your spirit today? But we're going to claim victory in it. Because whenever your spirit has been shackled, it doesn't have to be shackled forever. We can sit in our problems and we can find victory in Christ. So we're claiming that today when we say, my spirit will not be shackled by my problems. Our second one is my spirit will not be shackled by my expectations. By my expectations. And I, ooh, you think Joseph had expectations? You think Joseph had expectations after that dream he was given? You remember his dream when he was 17? He was 17 years old and he was given a dream that he was going to be a leader, that he was marked, you know, that he was all of these different things, that people were going to bow down to him. He's 17 years old. Can you imagine? He's given this dream by God. You think he had expectations? Do you think his expectations were what happened? No. No. But I love, I love this because when Pharaoh looks for somebody to tell him the dream, right? He looks for the magicians. He looks for all these wise men, probably these older men, these men who have been through it. They've been through things like, like they've been trusted by Pharaoh and they are unable even whatsoever to decipher the, the voice of God. Let me tell you that was for a reason because God, when a man was 17, told him that this is my plan for you. This is my vision for you and it hasn't changed because when I say things, they are real. They will happen. Let me tell you all, y'all can plan birthday parties. You can plan a vacation, but it's never going to go up exactly how you planned, right? When God plans something, so it is. So it is. And so he, he looked at Joseph and said, yes, when you were 17, you might have had all these opportunities and these things that you expected were going to happen, and they didn't. But I've been saving it for you. Nobody's going to step in and interpret this dream for Pharaoh because I've marked it for you. It was meant for you. And you might be 30 now. He's 30. It's been 13 years. 13 years. But he says, I have not forgotten. And I wonder for how many of us in this room, when we accepted Jesus as our Savior, when we were given a vision, we were given a dream of all these things in our life that were going to change. We were given a vision of people in our lives that were going to come to know Jesus. We were given a vision of, of conquering addiction, being this awesome person in Christ. For many of us, those expectations haven't been met because there are expectations. But so often we can have those expectations and them not be met 
And with each expectation that isn't met, we lean more into, okay, what do I got to do to have peace and to be fulfilled? What, what must I do to feel your peace, God, or, or, or to, to, to feel happy? And we start trying to go our own way. We start trying to do our own thing, but it never ends up being what we thought it would be. And God is just saying, your timing might not be my timing. And it most likely isn't. I've went through some things recently that it's like, that was not my expectation, God. I was given a vision. I was given a dream of something, and it hasn't gone the way I thought it would go. But let me tell you, hopefully right now you can think of something in your life that you've been given, a dream, a vision that God has given for you, and it hasn't happened the way that you thought it would. And maybe you've forgotten about it. But let me tell you, Joseph didn't forget Joseph said, God told me that I was going to be this. And it doesn't matter if it's when I'm 30, if when I'm 35, 50, when God says something, so it will be. How many of us have expectations? And we've been allowing our expectations to shackle our spirit. Can you write this down? You live in a foggy future, but God lives in a facts future. You live in a foggy future while God lives in a facts future. You know that verse, Jeremiah 29, 11? Anybody know that just off the top of their head? For I know the plans I have for you, yeah. and declares, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Who knows that verse? Some of us. We love that verse. We get excited about that verse. But can we talk about the context? How many of y'all know the context of that verse? Because in Jeremiah... God says that amidst some things that we might not like. It's not as peachy and rosy as we think it is when we quote it. Because let me tell you, in Jeremiah, God's people, they're in slavery. They've been exiled. They've been taken from their home of Jerusalem. They've been taken to Babylon. And they're in exile. Let me tell you, there's false prophets going around, and they're saying that, yes, God is saying this. You're going to be freed immediately, and all these awesome things are going to happen because that's your God. And God's like, in this verse, is saying no. That might be your expectation. That might be your dream, but that's not true. And God says, it's gonna be 70 years. 70 years in exile and slavery and in these hard things. But even in that, I know the plans I have for you. <sighs> plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. And he says, it's never been about your circumstance. It's never been about where you're at. It's never about when you lost your job. That didn't take away from my plan for you. Anything that happens to you on this earth, it won't take away my plan. But you see all these awful things that are happening. You have hopes for a relationship, for a marriage, and things haven't been going the way you thought they would. You've been given hopes for a baby, and it hasn't been happening the way that you thought it would. You've had hopes for whatever. Fill it in for yourself, and it hasn't gone the way you thought it would, and God is saying, I still have a plan for you. I still have hope for your future, and if you look to me and you stop shackling your spirit, you stop pursuing what you want to do and going on like all these dating sites without my permission and, and, and trying so hard and doing all these things. Let me, let me tell you again, I'm a fixer. So I've been there. 
I've been trying to do all these things and it doesn't work. And God is saying, I have a plan for you. And let me tell you my plan, just like in Joseph's life, it's gonna be better than you ever could have imagined. Joseph was probably like, oh yeah, my family's gonna bow down to me, that's cool. It wasn't just a family and it wasn't just Egypt. It was like nearly the whole world. They said they all came to Joseph and said, man, Joseph, I need help. It's a famine. Our families are starving. And they go to Pharaoh. They're like, Pharaoh, who do we go to? And he's like, go to Joseph. Because when Joseph was 17, he was given a vision. He was given a dream. He was marked by God. And I want to say that for all of you, you were marked that you were bought with, for a price. You were bought with a price. And that Jesus gave his life, gave everything that he was, so that you could have a chance for things like Joseph had so that you could have a chance to tell his story to other people, so that even though you did all these things wrong, that you've been trying to go your own way, he said, it doesn't matter, you were bought with a price. And if you lean into me, if you accept me as your savior, if you follow me, things will happen that you never could have thought, dreamed for, or imagined. And for many of us today, I tell you what, there's a lot of believers in the room. But I feel that many of us have forgotten that. We were given a vision, we were given a dream, but everything just seems blurry. And we've been living just trying to survive, trying to go about our day, getting through our schedule, finishing off tasks. And God is saying, if you would lean into me, if you would lean into my spirit and stop shackling me up, boy, would you see things that you, that you couldn't even expect. You would see friends come to know me. You would see family come to know me. You would see victory in your life. You would see that whenever you endure problems and you go through this or go through that, that there's a weird peace about you. Because when you lean into me, I have plans for you. And Gabby was already speaking to it earlier about wanting to set a fire in us. And God is pleading with us, with his church, a church that so many times just has to look like one blank wall, one way. Whenever you walk in, you expect this, you expect that, it's that, and then you leave, right? And God is saying, I'm a God that lives outside of time. I'm a God that, that will ever be changing and molding and transforming you. If you look at your life right now and you're not changing, you're not moving, then you're not leaning into his spirit. And I speak that to myself too. If we're not seeing change, if we're not seeing growth, then we're not leaning into his spirit. It's been shackled. You can bet on it. But I always tell my wife I love to end with optimism. I love to end with optimism. Because when we claim that victory, whenever we stop shackling the spirit, and whenever we lean into God, just all those things that I talked about are going to happen. I remember when I surrendered my life to him, things kept happening that I just could not explain. And the day, I didn't plan on saying this, but the day that I surrendered my life to God, the next day, my biggest role model, the person that I'd always counted on for, he ended up leaving my church. And a big vacancy was full. And I was stepping into, like, God, I know you want me to serve. Like, that was my heart before I went in. 
to service. And everybody was crying because they loved him and they knew he was leaving. And I was crying because I was sad, but nobody else understood that. And they announced that he was gone. And it was like God was saying, Dalton, for so long you set and you shackled my spirit. You've not followed me. You've not leaned into what I have to say. And now your mentor, the person that you love and that you've always gone to for help is leaving. And it's time to step in. Because even though you're new to this thing and you have baby faith, I want to use that. And it's time for you to step up. And it's time for you to start serving. It's time for you to do this, to start looking at your loved ones and actually talking about Jesus and talking about God. Because for so long, you've been living your life and not talking about anything about God. You've not talking about me. You've been living just to live. And it's time to step in. So I guess my question for you today is, do you need a little bit of that? Do you need to step into something new? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this morning. And I thank you for your word. I thank you for all the crazy things that Joseph went through. And I know that he wasn't probably always thankful. But Lord, they've given us a lesson. It's given us something that we can look to, that it can mold and transform in us. And I pray that you would give each of us a word today, that you would inspire us to change. Whatever it is, it could be something small, it could be big. It could be a job change, it could be leaving a relationship, it could be whatever. Would you speak your voice right now to all of us praying that we would be able to hear it? We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.